your pass first point guard and trailblazers reporter mike richmond you're listening to another episode of locked on blazers part of the locked on podcast network available wherever you get podcasts and also on youtube thanks for making the show your first listen every day free on all platforms coming at you every single weekday so make it a part of your daily routine and make it your first listen every day it's locked on blazers your team every day in today's show, we're going to go over two games over the weekend. The Blazers played Friday night and lost in Dallas. They came back on a second night of a back-to-back and beat the Rockets in Houston on Saturday, completing their Texas Triangle after they beat the Spurs to begin the road trip. We will talk about both of those games. I think they were revealing, um, you know, a, a, a kind of a blowout loss and, and, a, and maybe a more annoying win than it should have been. But I think they were revealing not only for the Blazers' present, but perhaps for how they will think about the future of this team. Uh, two, two games, you know, two games in the middle of December that, um, that may have shown us a little bit about the Blazers. Let's We will talk about that. But first, we got to do what we do. We got the fastest recap in the West. We got two games to recap here. Blazers lose Friday night in Dallas to the Mavericks, 130 to 110. Portland actually led after the end of the first quarter, 32-31, but things got out of control a little bit. They found themselves down nine after um, in the second quarter. Christian Wood had 15 of his 20 first half points in that second quarter as the, as the Mavs gave themselves a little bit of a cushion. At halftime, Damian Lord's got 21, Luka Doncic has 23, and this is going to be a high-scoring game. Blazers have given up 72, but again, only down nine, like right within striking distance if they can get right on defense. They cannot. The Blazers, over the first five minutes and 18 seconds of the third quarter, lose the game. They lost this game in about 29 minutes and 18 seconds. That was it. Ball game. See you later. Over those first five minutes, the Blazers were outscored 23-7. to Portland goes just 2 of 11 from the floor and 1 of 5 from 3. On the other end, the Mavs got whatever they wanted. 9 of 10, including uh, including a perfect 6 for 6 inside the stripe, three of four or inside the 3-point line. Three or four from three, they outscore the Blazers 23-17 and find themselves up 25. Yikes. Yikes. It's 95-70 with six minutes and 42 seconds left in the third quarter. And Chauncey Billups had seen enough. Um, typically, he would you know keep his starters in there till about the four-minute mark and, and go to a, like a bench lineup, take Dame out, bring Ant back. Instead, Keon Johnson comes in. The Blazers are just saying, we play tomorrow night. We cannot stop this team. With the starters in, we're down 25 what's what are we doing here let's preserve them for the next night uh live to fight another day or i guess die to fight another day and that's what they do down 25 they never really got closer than that they lose 131 10 um you know i guess they outscored from that moment they outscored the mavs by 10 40 to 30 over the final over the final 17 minutes of the game or 18 and a half minutes of the game but this was a this was over. It was gar- serious garbage time here. Uh, Damian Lord, who had 21 in the first half, he finished with 24. Anthony Simon, seven points on three of ten shooting. Jeremy Grant, seven points on two of nine shooting. If the Blazers get a five, sorry, that's your fastest recap in the West. Blazers lose 131-10. If the Blazers get a five for 19 combined, 14 points from Anthony Simons and Jeremy Grant, they're gonna lose. They're not. They're not built to win those games, and that's what happened. Uh, Luka Doncic in just 29 minutes, 33 points, six boards, and nine assists. Christian Wood, who had 20 in the first half, kept it rolling. Uh, thir- finished with 32 and 12 in 29 minutes off the bench. 32 and 12 in 29 minutes off the bench. Um, the Mavs did roll with their starters a little bit longer. They did what typically teams do in blowouts: is like the other team pulled the plug with five minutes to go in the third quarter. Let's just play out these final five minutes because if we're up 30 or whatever heading into the fourth, we'll be fine. They were fine. They cruised. Their their bench held on, and the Blazers lose that game. But 
you know, you just keep a moving in the NBA. That's the thing about it. You get another chance Saturday night in Houston against a bad Rockets team. A bad Rockets team that's been playing better recently, but a bad Rockets team, no doubt about it. Blazers take a lead early, 33-27, the lead 57-51 at the break. Anthony Simons, who had 7 on 3 of 10 shooting in, in the previous night in Dallas, has 20 at the break. Damian Lillard had 11-7 and seven at halftime. And the Blazers are in position, if they can get it rolling, to make this a route. And then they really did look like they were going to make it a route. They outscored the Houston Rockets 28-14 in the third quarter to take a 85-65 lead into the fourth. Houston, 4 of 15 in the third, 0 of 4 from three, and they missed four free throws, 6 of 10 from the free throw line. I don't even think the Blazers played like significantly better defense. They certainly were... Um, they were kind of just like walking through it in the first half. Not like terrible, but kind of just walking through it. Um, they were more attentive in that third quarter, but also the, the Houston, Houston just missed a kajillion shots. They just shot, they, they shot bricks. And on one possession in the third quarter, Jalen Green took two wide open three-pointers and bricked them both. Uh, that's not good defense. In fact, give up a wide open three, give up an offensive rebound, give up a second wide open three. That's bad defense. Um, let's see the second spectrum numbers on that, Blazers broadcast. But um, it's... It is, you know, it is what it is. They blew them open. You don't apologize for, you don't, you blew the game open. You don't apologize for taking advantage of a bad team. They're up 20. They're cruising. They're up 102-81 with five minutes and 27 seconds left in the game. And Chauncey Billups says, cool. Thank you. Thank you, starters. Thank you, regular rotation guys. Hit the bench. Uh, I should have mentioned this up front. Jeremy Grant did not play in Houston. Back spasms. He's out. He was out. So Justice Winslow started and Keon Johnson jumped into the rotation for regular rotation minutes. But... They pull the vets, pull the rotation guys. They go young. They bring in Keon Johnson, Shaden Sharp, uh, Greg Brown the third, Jabari Walker, and, and Trenton Watford, and say, hey, we're up 21. There's five and a half minutes left. Just play even. Just play even with their, with the, the end of this. It wasn't the end of the Rockets bench the whole time, but eventually it was it was the back half of the Rockets rotation and stuff. But it was like, just just play even. Lose, lose the final five minutes by two or four, and we're going to win this game. Instead... Houston, over the next two minutes and 45 seconds, rips off a 12-2 run. They score 12 points in less than three minutes. And all of a sudden, it's an 11-point game, and Chauncey Billups has to go back to his starters, super frustrated, takes a timeout ahead of the two-minute mark with like 2.09 left, brings the starters back in. Dame hits a three on the ensuing possession. Um, Blazers give up a couple free throws to Boban, get a exchange misses, get a defensive rebound. There's a minute left. Chauncey Billups calls timeout and says, okay, end of the bench, guys, go close it out. What the heck? What the heck? Blazers win this game 107-95. They were, they were, should have, it should have been a route. Should have been a route and wasn't. Um, that's your fastest recap in the West. Blazers win that game 107-95. Uh, Anthony Simons finished with 32. He had uh, 12 in the second half after that 20-point first half. Damian Lillard finishes with 25 points and 10 assists. Josh Hart, 12. Yusuf Nurkic had 14 and the Blazers, uh, Blazers bench struggled. They're not. They're not getting a shout out in this one. The real number here is that Houston was three of twenty nine from three. They shot bricks in this game. Um, some of it is is you know they're they don't have great shooters. The other part is just like this is the nature of of the league, right? Like sometimes you shoot bricks. Blazers defense was was not great, but it wasn't terrible. And then the other team missed a bunch of shots, and that's how they won this game. I think a blowout, a frustrating blowout, kind of like a, a just a beatdown on on Friday. The Blazers haven't had a lot of like true beatdowns this year. This was one of a true beatdowns, and then a game that should have been more comfortable than it was on Saturday. Don't leave you feeling exactly super jazzed about this team. I did not come away Saturday evening after watching back to back games and say, "Hey, they're in a good spot." 
But I do think this revealed kind of who the Blazers are. And in fact, against Houston, the Blazers won a game while scoring 107 points. It was the first time since November 10th, over a month, five weeks, in which they have won a basketball game where they scored fewer than 115 points. That's a big number. Let's talk about that in the second segment. That number means something. Um, it's, it is revealing about kind of the place that they're at. And let's talk about the place that they're at and then where they might go to close the show. But first, I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's uh, just the Daily Fantasy app. Or you can go to their website, prizepicks.com. That makes Daily Fantasy fun and easy. How it works is you pick between two and six players. PrizePix sets a, a projection line, and you say over or under that projection, and then you can win some money. You go six for six, you can win 25 times uh, of your cash that you put in. But you can wager to win three out of your six picks, four out of your six picks, five out of your six picks. You set the odds, you set you set your bets, and you can win some money. And if you do win some money, they got safe and fast withdrawals, so you can get your money quickly. If you don't want to do the NBA, I do. I, I play... I use the app. I don't use the website. I use the app and I do NBA because that's what I know. I know basketball. It's a, it's a fun way to kind of uh, say, hey, listen, Anthony Simons had seven last night. You know he's going to go off. You know he's going to bounce back. He's a really good offensive player. Went a little bit of money on Saturday night. It is available in Oregon plus 30 other states as well as Canada. Um, and the best part is you're just playing against the projection line. You're not playing against you know, sharks or the field or anything else, just you versus what prize picks says. And right now, first time users download that prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com and you can sign up to play daily fantasy sports. And when you do and use that promo code locked on, they're going to match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. So if you put in a hundred bucks, prize picks gives you a hundred bucks. You put in 50 bucks, prize picks going to give you 50 bucks. So don't forget, enter that promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match of up to a hundred bucks. That's Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Made Easy. Today's show is also brought to you by Turo. Look, there are a lot of ways, a lot of ways if you're away from your home to get a motor vehicle. But Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace and they make it easier and cheaper to get a car to book a car when you want it, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget. It's available in the United States, the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia. You can book a spacious SUV. You can book a classic or luxury car. You can just find an affordable economy car if you're on a budget and you just need to get from point A to point B. Or feeling fancy, test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits your fits you and your everyday life. Plus, many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. So, check out Turo and just know that every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms and conditions and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars. Find your drive at Turo.com. All right. 115 is a big number in Blazer land these days. It's an important, meaningful number for this team because it has been a long time. The win against the Houston Rockets where they scored just 107. And frankly, if they played their starters, probably would have scored 115. This point would be relatively moot, but they hooked it up. Your boy with a little statistical anomaly. So we're going to talk about it here a little bit. Uh, the Blazers had not won a game without scoring 115 points since November 10th. That was the end of that first road trip in New Orleans when they uh, when they didn't have Dame or Ant, and they go in and, t- and beat the Pelicans, and Jeremy Grant goes off. Um, 
monster game, uh, monster monster game, fun, fun, meaningful game. Uh, like because it was like, oh, this this team might be good. Uh, they were about to they were about to roll off a five and one trip, and it was like getting excited over those first fifteen games. They've kind of come back to earth a little bit, but Jeremy Grant's still a really good basketball player. But that number, 115, has 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 just stuck for the Blazers all year. They are 10 and one when they score 115 points, and just seven and 12 when they score few, 114 or fewer. Um, their one loss when they scored 115 is the Jamal Murray buzzer beater in at home against the Nuggets. So like they were in a position to win if they play defense for 10 more seconds. If they, you know, if they take their foul to give and make it slightly harder, they're going to at least go to overtime. And Damian Lillard was on a heater. He had hit four shots in the final two and a half minutes, including three threes. Like he was on one. Um, it was a, it was a really entertaining game that they absolutely probably should have won. Uh, certainly. And certainly could have 10 and one when they score 115. Like it's just they they can go ahead and get buckets, but just seven and twelve and scoring under 114. They are not a very good defensive team, so they have to score to win. That's their that's their path forward. Um, if you're curious, winning seven out of 19, seven and twelve is like on pace for about a 30 win season. Like that's a 50 loss. That's a 50 loss team. That's a bad basketball team. When the Blazers don't score 115, they they perform like a bad basketball team. Um, it's admittedly a little bit arbitrary this 115 number like for sure you know they've had a couple losses scoring 113 I, I don't mean this to be like meaningful in sort of like very predictive ways but I do think it is telling um if it's not like perfectly it doesn't perfectly correlate to success or or suggest causation it kind of gives you a bigger picture sense of where they're at they're a team that has to score to win that's just who they are. They are, according to Cleaning the Glass, as I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon, they're 24th in defensive rating and 9th in offensive rating. They're a bottom 10 defense in the league. They're a top 10 offense in the league. Uh, they're, they've been trending much better on offense recently since Damian Lode has been back. You know, Dame missing 12 of their 30 games probably handicaps their, their offense a little more than it should be. With him in the lineup, they are excellent on offense. They could probably be a top five offense and a bottom five defense, all told, if, if they were healthy all year. And I think that's their sort of path to being really competitive. The 115 mark says more about kind of just the reality of this team. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't mean this as an indictment, right? I, I don't say like, and I don't sit here and say like, this team stinks on defense, though, blah, 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 blah. I think my expectations of them heading into the season is that they would struggle on defense and be really good on offense. They are trending towards struggling on defense and being really good on offense. Um, if your expectations were different, then you might feel a little bit differently. But my personal expectations were such that this seems about right. That said, the first 15 games when they started 10 and four, they were just they had been more successful on defense. They were they were they looked like they were going to be an above average, if not even like downright good defensive team. They've really cratered since then um, as teams have kind of figured out what their zone looks like, have been able to exploit sometimes when they when they aren't as sharp. Um, also just like kind of the way the, the way the league works, like your talent often determines your latitude and the Blazers were, um, you know, they've kind of, they have the personnel of being a slightly below average team and they've kind of performed as such as being a below average defensive team. This is, like I said, this was kind of my expectation coming in. I don't think this is like a really big deal. In fact, I look around the Western Conference and the Denver Nuggets are the second best offense in the league, according to Cleaning Glass and 28th on defense. People think the Denver Nuggets are going to win the damn championship or at least have a chance to. And certainly with an MVP candidate and uh, Nikola Jokic, you know, back-to-back -back MVP and it's 
really playing very well again this year and a horrific defense, people think like, oh, you know, if the Nuggets just clean it up a little bit, they could be right there. You look at the Utah Jazz, a surprising team that, you know, they're, they've, they're 17 and 15, but uh, people thought they were going to be bad and they're like right in the mix in the Western Conference. They're third on offense and 26th on defense. These are teams that are right in the hunt with the Blazers who profile relatively similarly, right? Like, there's a difference between being a top five offense and a top 10 offense. Like the margins are meaningful over the course of a long season, but like it is not uncommon for teams that are competitive around the Western conference, like right in the mix where the Blazers are to have a similar profile of being of winning games with offense, two teams right there, you know, um, Phoenix and, and Memphis and New Orleans, they profile as a little bit better, right? They profile as, as more balanced on, on either end. Um, and even those teams don't have like a great deal of separation from the Blazers. Okay. Right, right there in the mix. So I think what this says, and I think what, what you kind of, it's more, you see it than you, than you need the numbers to back it up. Right. Against Dallas, they had a pretty brutal start to the second quarter on offense. They kind of found their rhythm at the end of the half and, and ended up only down nine heading into the heading into halftime. And then the offense goes two of 11 over the first five minutes of the, of the uh, third quarter. They can't get stops on the other end and it's a blowout. That's the margins. Like that's how slim their margins are, right? Like if they have 10 bad minutes on offense, they're going to lose. And if they play a team like the Mavs, who's top 10 offense in the league, it can get bad quickly. Christian Wood probably played better than he normally does. Some of that was bad Blazers defense, guarding pick and rolls and getting caught in the wrong spot. And he was just, Nurk wasn't guarding him particularly well. And some of that was Christian Wood having a really good game because that's just how basketball works. Like he just made some shots that he doesn't always make. Um, Part bad defense, part good offense. It's all it's all baked in there, right? But this is this is the Blazers' margin for error. When they had a bad first opening five minutes of the sec- second quarter and a bad first five minutes open of the third quarter, it was over because the defense is not competitive enough to give them a shot, right? The end of the game against Houston is like about the end of the bench. I do I do not see that fourth quarter as like um, I don't see those that three minute stretch in the fourth quarter when the Blazers' deep bench couldn't stop Houston's middle bench. Right, like Jabari Smith was on the court for a brief period of that. Um, Ty Ty Washington was on the court for that whole stretch. Ty Ty Washington is part of the regular rotation in Houston, but like it it is the Blazers. I think Friday night is more telling in this regard. The Blazers' margin for error because they are struggling so much on defense right now, and I don't see them getting a lot better on defense with the current construction. But like, because the margin for error is so thin, they gotta score to win games. That's the 115 mark. Ant didn't have a nice night. Uh, Jeremy Grant didn't have a nice night. Two dudes who don't play well on offense. That puts too much pressure on Dame to be excellent. For two quarters, they could be, you know, have a puncher's chance, and then it all went away, and then would probably rightfully pull the plug. It's like, we're not going to outscore the Mavericks by 26 over the final 18 minutes. Let's play for tomorrow, get the win against Houston, take care of business. And the take care of business is what I want to talk about closing the show. I think I came out of this weekend feeling like, oof, they're not, they're not great. But then you look up at the standings. They're fine. They're fine. And 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 the the combination of those two realities of them being standings-wise in a good spot, but also struggling and having real weaknesses on defense, I think will is a good way to consider what's next and inform what they do in the future. Let's talk about what that might look like to close the show. But first, I want to tell you about ExpressVPN. 
this is, you might know ExpressVPN because it protects your privacy online, but here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Maybe you've run out of stuff to watch on Netflix, and this could change your world. ExpressVPN allows you to watch the Kevin Smith classic Mallrats, which is only available on UK Netflix and not available here in the United States. It's just so simple to do it. Sign into Netflix, fire up the ExpressVPN app, change your location to the UK, refresh Netflix, that's it, bing, bang, boom, you're watching what you want to watch. That's exclusive to other parts of the world. ExpressVPN lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries, so just imagine all the Netflix libraries you can go through. Whatever it is, you're going to find it. Not just Netflix, though. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, so Hulu, BBC's iPlayer, YouTube channels, you name it, you're going to find it. There's hundreds of VPNs out there, but ExpressVPN lets you watch shows ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD no problem. ExpressVPN also works in all your devices, phones, your media consoles, your smart TVs, and more, so you can watch what you want on the big screen or on the go. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, go to expressvpn.com slash locked on right now, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash locked on expressvpn.com slash locked on to learn more. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. There are two simultaneous realities with the Blazers. One, they're the 24th rated defense in the league, and they basically can't win games unless they score 115 plus points. Pretty rare. Two, they're 17 and 13 through 30 games. They're about to play two games against a not very good Oklahoma City team with a chance to go 4-2 and two on a six-game road trip and put themselves on pace to win 45-plus games. Two realities at once, and I think it speaks to kind of um, if you're a glass-half-full or a glass-broken, um, <laughs> leaking water, half-empty person. Uh, like, it is true that the Blazers on Friday night played another team that's in the playoff mix and looked a mess. And it is true, on Saturday night, the Blazers played a lottery team and rolled over them and would have easily rolled over them, but not for the end of the bench, playing terrible for three minutes that kind of um, made the game have a worse taste in your mouth than it otherwise should have. Both of those things are true. But beating bad teams puts you in a position and gives you more space to figure out what you need to do to beat good teams. If you take care of business in the NBA and you just win games against teams that you're better than, you just beat teams that are below 500, you beat lottery-bound teams, you're going to be a playoff team. If you take care of business against the bad teams, particularly on the road, you might even be a home-court advantage-type playoff team. The league is mostly a meritocracy. If you win the games you're supposed to win, you'll have a better chance in the playoffs because you'll have better seating, you'll have you know home-court advantage and all of those things. The playoffs, however, can present a sobering reality, and a team that is a bottom six in the league in defense and can't doesn't seem able to stop elite offenses and has to just outscore them. Uh, you know, they win in Utah. They basically just won the final two and a half minutes of that game. They lost a toss up against um, against Denver. They get handled by Dallas. Right, those are three of the top six offenses in the league. The Blazers were going to win all of those games by scoring. The two games they scored, they won. And should have won the game where they didn't score against uh, against Dallas. They got walloped. 
that is perhaps when you get to the playoffs and things are more meaningful, a sobering truth that will make you say, oh, it's all a failure because the Blazers had a team that was always destined for this. I recognize that and accept that sort of level of pessimism if that's the way you want to view things. You can fan however you want. However, the Blazers have won 17 of their first 30 games. Even if they go 1-2 and two in the final stretch of this road trip and go 3-3 three and three on the road, they're going to be 18-15 and 15 through 33 games and have played half of their road games. Not quite half the season, right? They're only 30, they'd only be 33 games in when they go back to Portland on, on New Year's Eve, or excuse me, Christmas Eve, rather. Before the calendar flips, half of their road games, not quite half of the season, like a home-heavy second half, a softer schedule, and a chance to upgrade the roster. So, I think about it like this. Portland has flaws, and Saturday, or excuse me, Friday and Saturday probably exposed those flaws, right? Like, they they were revealing in that it's like, okay, this is what this team is. We've always kind of known it, but but like, you know, you get further down the line and you get things reinforced. Like, yeah, mm. <laughs> this is this is who they are, right? That is that is absolutely true. And then you look at the record, and you say if they beat OKC twice. And they're 19 and 13 through 32 games. They are in such a good position that it doesn't matter what happens in Denver to close the road trip on, on a Thursday night. I mean, it, it, it does in the grand scheme of things, right? Like losing to a playoff team, home, whatever, d- division records and all of those things. And like Denver is a pretty big rival of the Blazers, probably their biggest rival in the league. You want to win those games, et cetera, et cetera. Certainly rival among fan bases. I don't think the, te- I don't think the teams really dislike each other that much. But... Uh, regardless of kind of how this closes out, as long as they win one of these final three games, they'll put themselves in a position to be right in the mix in the Western Conference and then use a home-heavy January heading into the February 9th trade deadline to assess who they are and what they want to do. By taking care of business, by just beating the Spurs and beating the Rockets and just getting the wins that are set up for you on the schedule, even if you get walloped in the in-between games and you say like, what about the playoffs? Before you get there, before you worry about what happens in May, April, I guess, the first round of the playoffs, but you allow yourself breathing room to figure it out by taking 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 care of OKC, 24th in, in offense, 19th in defense, below average in both. Um, basically, they are pretty good on offense when Shea Gilgis-Alexander is on the court and pretty bad when, he, when he's not. Overall, for, uh, 24th. They've actually typically been better on defense than 19th, but so far this year, they're below average on defense as well. Winnable games. Even if you split them, you put them in it yourself in a position to say, hey, we are 18-15, or best case scenario, hey, no, best case, I guess they, they could be 20-13, and 13, but realistically, they're going to lose one of these last three games because they're on the road and it's hard to beat a team twice and Denver's good. So realistically, they're they're 18 to 15 and 19 to 14, right? Through 33 games, 18 or 19 wins. They have enough breathing room and enough space in the standings and they've, they've you know, they're, they're closing in, they're pushing towards the halfway mark of the season, 10 games shy of the halfway mark of the season with a chance to say, we win when we're supposed to. We've lost some tough ones. We know that we're bad on defense. We know here are our limitations. Here's where we need to get better. And this is what we will address at the trade deadline, either by a minor move or by a bigger splash move. But they have allowed themselves this leeway to assess. And I think that is, while this weekend didn't feel good, like this was not a heartening weekend in Blazerland, 
the bigger picture suggests that they still have plenty of time. And I, I am typically a pessimist, but in general, I, I kind of like, I look at them from 30,000 feet and I say, they're in a really good spot because they, they're, their strengths are getting stronger. They're getting better on offense. And you kind of always knew they're going to be bad on defense and we're going to need to address that. Now you can say here for the next six weeks, we're going to figure out what is available, what we have to trade, what we can do financially and address our issues. Get bigger, get a little bit longer on the wing, um, maybe shore up their defensive rebounding woes if they can get the right size in there to that also offers them more shooting, which they could use um, to be even more lethal on offense. Like, they have allowed themselves a position to say, even if we're struggling against the top teams, the TCB wins, the taking care of business wins are going to give us a chance to say, okay, let's see what's available on the trade market. Okay, let's see what's available everywhere in sort of ways to upgrade the roster. I am not of the belief that they're going to like get it rolling on defense. Like I, I think maybe some more optimistic people might say like, Hey, get, you know, they have the personnel to be good on defense, coach them up Chauncey and they'll get there. I'm, I'm, I don't see it that way. The way I see it is they have, they've told us who they are. This is who they are. They are a bottom, bottom 10 defensive team and a top 10 offensive team. And now the quest is to keep winning enough games to keep yourself in the position that when you, when you're, creative GM does make a trade that is a mar- even a marginal upgrade, your defense improves just enough that an awesome offense takes you where you need to go because other teams in the West like Denver and Utah profile very similarly, very similarly, very similarly. So regardless of how you feel, if you're, if you came away from this weekend feeling good about the Blazers, you came away this weekend feeling bad about them, do me a favor and tell your friends about this podcast available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. You can make it your first listen every single weekday. It's the only Daily Trailblazers podcast coming with new episodes Monday through Friday each and every week. Tell your pals about it and come back for Tuesday's show. The Blazers play in OKC on Monday night. Very likely Damian Lillard will become the Blazers' all-time leading scorer in that game. And guess what? We'll celebrate it here on the podcast. So come back. Seriously, tell your friends about it and then come back for Tuesday's show. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.